We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am joined on the show by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners of Rotoviz, and of course the co-host here on OT, as well as the Stadium Bananas podcast. Sean, we have uh, the first show of week one done. We're into the second show. We will have three shows this week, but on today's edition, we're going to be looking into the much anticipated in-season article that is the zero rb watch list up on the website it will be split in two parts sean i will get his information in a minute if he will be taking afc all season and blair taking nfc but that is the way it is this week up on site and i know it's uh content that is much uh, valued by the road of his readers and of course the podcast listeners and sean i did ask you about the 15 uh on the show earlier this week and uh, the person who did ask about that also sent a, a dm on twitter since to say that they couldn't believe the amount of content that we, you have put out on the site this week and <laughs> through the road of his radio airwaves as well so uh they, they wanted to message to say they were very grateful for all that has gone out so that is the plan all season long but with the watch list is the is the plan throughout to have the afc nfc split the way it is this week and of course how much are you starting to look forward to week two well on week two if week one is any indication this is going to be a really fun season so i i I can't wait the watch list will alternate we'll also probably mix up the format from time to time but we wanted to kind of go with the longer one in week one so much to kind of go over a lot of different things that we can look at in the tools to see how the running backs are performing. We like to put it in terms of expected points and fantasy points over expectation so that readers can get a sense of how the touches really translate into fantasy points. I think the number one thing for understanding running back scoring, understanding value, how you want to draft, how you want to trade is to really get a good understanding for what it means when people have this kind of touch, that kind of touch, when they're carrying the ball here, when they're carrying the ball down, obviously toward the goal line, catching the ball, how those things factor into creating an overall running back profile that's going to score you points on Sundays. And so we look a lot at that. We also do talk about things like you know target share, team opportunities, going through all of the sort of normal stats as well that 
are relevant for these backfields. Get a sense of you know who's playing in the rushing game, who's playing in the passing game, all of that element. And it's interesting to go through because even after watching all the games, and I've watched all the games now, there are things that you pick up when you're looking you know more deeply into the stats that you may have missed as you went through the original watch. So a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, it's it's fun to do this kind of in tandem with Blair. Uh, everyone knows that he's just an extraordinary writer. We'll kind of switch him back and forth, right? That way we can both continue to get a sense of all the players. You know, doing the whole thing every week is a little bit too much to kind of get it out on uh, any sort of timely manner. But I, I like to know what all the running backs are doing. If I just have the one conference the whole time, then I get really deep into that conference, but maybe don't have as good of a feel. And, and like I said, you know, watch all the games and, and go through all the articles that everybody writes. Wednesdays are going to be absolutely extraordinary on the site because we have all of these new stats from Sports Info Solutions. We've got a bunch of really good writers who are doing cool things with them. Uh, then Thursdays, Curtis is going to have a fantastic Dynasty article. We've got all kinds of DFS stuff, including college football DFS, which I think is something that, you know, if it's legal in your area, is great to play. You can get even more of an advantage there. Reading Travis because there's a little bit less information out on that. So make sure you're tuning into Travis and, and college football DFS. But Colin, we've got a lot to get into here, and let's start right off with the Buffalo Bills. We had a sort of a surprise inactive for Zach Moss in the zero RB countdown. This year, we had talked about trying to get exposure to one of these two guys on every roster, and in the update, which obviously comes out at the end, we've got some a little bit more information at that point. I was talking about how Devin Singletary's price was rising, Zach Moss's price was falling, but that that seemed accurate, that all the signals we were getting out of Buffalo were that Devin Singletary would be the guy. And so in the very final update, we talked about, okay, probably take Moss off your list for the last few drafts, get a little bit more Singletary. And at least through one week, that seems promising, not only because Singletary was the guy, but he actually played pretty well, right? He carries 11 times, 72 yards, uh, had some elements in the receiving game where he didn't give us all the points we might have gotten there, which would make him look really good, right? He had eight expected points as a receiver, uh, converted less than half of those. And so you add on another four, four and a half points there, then suddenly you're in the range where you're getting pretty excited about what he's doing. So with the 11 for 72, he did make some guys miss. We talked about how he has this profile where uh, no one evades tackles in the current NFL quite like he does. He's not going to have as many broken tackles as guys like Derrick Henry, you know, Nick Chubb, those types of players, but he makes people miss. He ranked ninth in week one with an 18% evasion percentage. There's a profile here with the run pass elements together that based on where you drafted him should be very promising. Now, I think that Moss is going to be active most of the time still. And so you're going to lose some of those touches. I, I think that the flip side is that Josh Allen took a lot of brutal hits in this game. I know that Josh Allen's a big guy. I know he's an athletic guy. They're going to have him run the ball some because that is a key part of their offense. But, I mean, he's also one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They have this dynamic passing offense. I don't think you can afford to have him take the hits he took in week one all season, certainly not all season, and then next season and the next season. They've got to use these running backs who are actually pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the one thing that I was going to mention is I do think that Moss will be active in other games. It was obviously a surprise, but let's see what happens this week. And, you know, if things are the same again, that's obviously going to be better for Singletary. But 
the other thing that you mentioned there was Allen taking the hits. Playing against the Steelers is going to be one of the tougher matchups there. They're going to face the majority of the season. Um, and that obviously was also not just a tough match for Josh Allen, but a tough matchup for Singletary. So to get the the yards he did on those attempts, I think, um, was a good sign for him. Um, as you mentioned, hopefully the efficiency will increase as well in the passing game. But it's always been a little bit tricky with the the Bills and, and the passing usage of the running backs. But I think they'll try and protect Allen a little bit more. And I think game script dependent i think the bills are going to be in the lead in a lot of games this season and that's going to help them as well i think they're going to be in the red zone quite a bit and it was by all accounts a down game for the bills and that was mainly down to how well the Steelers played defensively so we'll see how it goes as they put up those points but the more times they can get into the red zone obviously that's going to help singletary's case as well so it looked looked good for him but tough tough loss for the bills and um, we mentioned that on the the show earlier this week just as we're recording this i think and the the post edits for that i think i forgot to remove that i think i mentioned on the show that the uh the result went the opposite way which was obviously incorrect um but we'll uh we'll put that down to a production mishap but uh sean the next team we're going to talk about who i think are, are quite interesting that i want to touch on is the indianapolis colts obviously they lost this week um and that defeat though i thought the usage of the running backs for both of them was quite positive for Naheem Hines that he got involved in the amount that he did. He had eight targets in the game, which was a 23% target share. But Jonathan Taylor was also very much involved in the passing game with seven targets going his way. Uh, and then the attempts 17 in favor of Taylor to the nine in favor or to Hines. So I thought overall this was kind of what we expected. I don't think we ever thought at any point that it was just going to be only jonathan taylor but i was very happy to see taylor involved in the passing game and obviously the uh, 15 targets to the two of the running backs combined is maybe a little bit more than we can expect on a weekly basis but um they they look like they're going to use the running backs quite heavily in the past game which i think is going to bode well for both these guys as we go through the season we had our concerns around carson wentz those concerns certainly are still there but I think um, we can we can look at these two running backs and be pretty confident to start in them on a, a weekly basis. You have the two touchdowns by Zach Pascal, and obviously he's a solid NFL receiver. Uh, drafters mostly taking Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, uh, T.Y. Hilton stashed in some leagues, available in a lot of leagues he'll be picked up as he gets closer to being ready to play. But... Uh, I mean, this game was a disaster, right, for for people who drafted Pittman. And even though, you know, he may get some of that Pascal production in the future, Carson Wentz didn't look good. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be good in all likelihood. This team is going to be a little bit more like what we've discussed with the Detroit Lions, except without TJ Hawkinson. And so uh, there were concerns that when Philip Rivers leaves that uh, suddenly the – running back targets are really going to go through the floor, but those are the only guys who can really get it done. I think in this offense. So you have the 15 targets, like you mentioned, it won't be that way every week, but it's encouraging to see both guys really involved. And so it's almost one of those things where if you have Taylor, you're a little bit worried that Hines was so involved. If you have Hines, you're probably pretty excited, but you're worried that Jonathan Taylor got seven targets. So it, it kind of goes both ways with that. They combined for 41 opportunities, which isn't going to happen every week. But these are the two playmakers in the offense. We saw a new contract for Hines. We saw uh, 
articles come out from people following the team in the final week before the season talking about one Heinz has been so good that he needs more touches and two, the Taylor is so good that he's a potential uh, offensive player of the year. And so at least in the first week, those things seem to be somewhat correct in terms of how they were used in the game. I think that that's encouraging. We talked in the offseason, Jonathan Taylor, he has this profile, a guy who in year two takes a step forward in terms of receiving expected points. If you want to be a first round pick, if you want to be a top five guy, which we think that he eventually will be, uh, especially if Indianapolis can get the quarterback situation figured out at all, if, if Wentz is okay, should really be picked in that 104, 105, 106 range. Obviously, he was falling into the second rounds of drafts for kind of multiple reasons. But to get there, you need to have this receiving EP profile that is at least sort of seven points per game. Really, you wanted to tick up into the eight, nine range. In week one, he was at 9.4. Again, uh, we don't think that that's going to be the case every week. But at least through one week, he looked like a guy who was worthy of the first round pick when a lot of running backs did not. And so, especially if he doesn't have the touchdown call back, people will be looking at Jonathan Taylor after week one as, okay, this is a steal because he's a clear first round running back. He was picked in round two. About half of the running backs picked in round one already look like they could really be anchors in a bad way for your team. <laughs> the people kind of hold you back. And so I, I like what they did here offensively. Actually got just got an offer for Hines in the Rotoviz Dynasty League from Devin, who people know on the Solis report and he was offering Antonio Brown. I've got Brandon Ayuk. I've got Michael Thomas. And so trying to replace a little bit of receiver points, I went ahead and accepted that. But if, if Devin is trying to get Heinz, I consider that to be a, a pretty strong signal there as well. Devin, one of the sharpest guys in the fantasy community. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the dynasty command center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO21. That's RVRADIO21, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The other team, Sean, that we're going to touch on here, and we're going to go into the the Hall of Dishonor in a moment of players that you mentioned, maybe in that first round that it hasn't worked out for so far, but the Houston Texans, and he got in the end zone. I don't know if I enjoy a player getting in the end zone least in the NFL than this guy, but uh, it is Mark Ingram and the Houston Texans. Um, Obviously, heavily uh, based around the run game between himself, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson. Um, There was a total of 37 carries, 26 of them. They'll go into Mark Ingram. Uh, He had a touchdown. Lindsay had a touchdown. David Johnson had a receiving touchdown. Johnson more used in the passing game. He had four targets, three receptions, 18 yards on that touchdown that I mentioned. They all averaged in that mid three yards kind of per carry range. But what was your thoughts overall of how the backfield was split up? Um, I kind of thought that it was going to be Lindsay or Johnson kind of leading the way and then Ingram. But Mark Ingram is the the running back that uh, he's kind of – he's going to turn into Frank Gore I think at this point he'll still be around in a couple of years time (laughs) the Texans are are pretty funny I mean you you look at this game and it makes the Jaguars look even worse right because you have Ingram Lindsay Johnson they all did carry the ball with Lindsay and and David Johnson we're looking at a small sample we know that we shouldn't take yards per carry too seriously in some context but but at the same time we do because the whole idea behind yards per carry is that even though it's not steady it is something that will give you insight into a player's ability to create big plays which big plays are important for fantasy participants right and so you have mark ingram here with the 26 carries 85 yards he does get in the end zone but doesn't have any receiving value for you if one of these three guys actually were getting most of the touches then they would be pretty valuable even an offense that we don't think is is very good but it's pretty hilarious to pull us up and see that the three players average between 3.1 and 3.3 yards per carry and if you had a, a team with guys all getting touches and you were told before the week that that was going to be the result. You're like, well, that has to be the Houston Texans, right? I mean, only Ingram, Lindsay, and Johnson could pull it off. Now, Lindsay, it's a little bit disappointing because we do think that he has the explosiveness to get out, you know, find some of those holes. He did get a touchdown. We like that, but for the player who's the most talented for him actually to have the least valuable role is unfortunate. David Johnson is going to be the receiving back. And so a desperation zero RB uh, drafter might go, his direction, you, you can still pick him up in most leagues. The Texans are probably not going to be leading in most games, so there should be more running back targets than we saw in this one. David Johnson, a little bit of a sneaky pickup. I mean, he still actually looks pretty good. Mark Ingram, the 26 carries, but doesn't get a reception. And so, you know, if, if there's any sell high for him, and really anything you get back would be selling high, then you might do that. We drafted him in the 19th, 20th rounds on some of our team Rotoviz main events. And so 
you know, we're on board at least with the idea that we think Mark Ingram will get some goal line carries. And again, if, if you're looking at a zero, then that is valuable to you. Otherwise, it's probably something where, you know, you can move on or you don't need to spend your free agent budget to pick him up. Uh, you know, we probably have seen the high point for the Texans for the season in terms of what some of these guys have already done. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I don't think we're going to see them hit, you know, over 30 rushing attempts on a regular basis. They would love to do that. But when you have Tyrod Taylor in there, who's going to rush as well a little bit. Um, I think that we're seeing this based out of, you know, how, I guess I was going to say surprisingly, but maybe it's not going to be by a couple of weeks in surprisingly dominant they were over the Jaguars. But I think, like you mentioned, they're going to be playing from behind quite a bit this season. So I think the the pass attempts will increase to the running backs and the rushing attempts will probably decrease. But yeah, Mark Ingram, um, he'll he'll last forever at, the, at this point. And he, uh, Philip Lindsay would have been the guy I was targeting, but um, not as much as in, in previous seasons, obviously. But we'll see how it, how it plays out here. Um, the Texans do not look to be all that good. We're going to go into players, though, Sean, who may still be good, but didn't look all that good uh, in week one. Um, there's a number of players that we probably thought might fall into that category, but um, there's others then that maybe we were hoping wouldn't. We have Mike Davis, Najee Harris, Derek Henry, Leonard Fournette, Saquon Barkley, and Ezekiel Elliott, all who uh, were inefficient, I guess is the nice way to put it, um, this past week. Some of them for not getting that many opportunities, but uh, Harris kind of being the player that the people who thought he would get all the work were correct. The people who thought that the offensive line would be terrible were correct. Uh, kind of everyone was correct, but um, you know the the Steelers don't have a lot to offer in terms of opening up holes for him. And when they were open, he didn't really take much advantage of them. The other player who was very very inefficient, and we probably thought that as well was the. Uh, Mike Davis and the Falcons who we already talked a little bit about on Monday but any players who have made that list uh, with the most negative uh, fantasy points over expectation in week one that you want to highlight well Harris obviously uh, the interesting player in that he's got that you know sort of early to mid round to cost Ben and I did select him on one of our teams I moved him up late in the article, I discussed the fact that he's going to have this workload that should make him valuable, right? He had 14.7 expected points in the first week. I kind of compared him to the rookie seasons for Trent Richardson and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, people remember, even now, even after the good seasons, the, the great seasons that Bell had, that there was a lot of concern after his rookie season because he put up negative points as both a rusher and a receiver, but both of those guys came in in that 17-point-per-game range, even though they were inefficient. And I think that's what we'll eventually see from Harris. Uh, the Steelers are going to be able to take over against more teams, even a little bit more than they did against the Bills, I think. And even though he's not going to be an effective rusher, an efficient rusher, he's going to get some goal line carries. I think he's going to be more effective in the passing game as we go along. Uh, it's easy to forget this is just his first game. Right. And so even though we have a bunch of red flags, both in his own profile, we talk a lot about the lack of breakaway rush. And we talk about something that's not in his profile, which is just the offensive line probably won't be very good. Both of those things will potentially hold him back. The hookup between Roethlisberger and Harris was not there in the first week. I think that that will smooth out a little bit. Uh, Roethlisberger had a really hard time connecting with his receivers. I'm concerned about all three guys. It's going to be hard now, I think, based on what we're seeing from them for Chase Claypool to pay off at his price. 
Although again, just the first week. And so we want to give these guys time to emerge. Some of the other guys on this list, and again, it's just the first week for some of these players as well. Mike Davis, the first week in a new office. One of the things that you actually have to be very excited about is he was one of the top guys in the entire NFL in terms of expected points. He's at 24.6. Even if you're bad, if you average 24.6 expected points per game, then you're going to be a monster. Unfortunately, he was minus 5.6 as a rusher, minus 7.8 as a receiver, and so actually wasn't even that playable with the monster workload. Cordell Patterson was involved. I think that the Falcons are going to learn from the first week and are going to be more aggressive in the passing game. You have to be. In order to be a competent NFL team, you've got to be more aggressive. So Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, those guys should bounce back a little bit. Uh, Davis, someone, almost a situation where if you can sell him because people understand he had this great workload, then maybe you do that because I think the workload has to decrease. I mean, they have to go in the direction of their more dynamic players. The one that the the three that kind of jump out are these guys who were first round picks, right? Derrick Henry minus eight fantasy points over expectation. Saquon Barkley minus six. Ezekiel Elliott minus five point nine. With Barkley, perhaps not a surprise because drafting him is really a play for weeks five through the end of the season. And the issue with him is really that the expected points were very low, and that was because he was taken out at garbage time. And so the value for the Giants is going to come during garbage time. Even if you play really high snaps in the first three quarters, if the team is taking him out to not expose him to further injury or to wear him down during the time period where we actually think the Giants are going to score some points, then you know that's going to be unfortunate. Tennessee, completely overrun by the Cardinals. Colin, what are your thoughts here? With Derrick Henry, we had a situation where – we know that his expected points are more in the line of a second round player, maybe more in the line of a third round player, but he's such a dynamic rusher that he goes in the first round. And even though we're not on board with that, it's not a horrible pick. I mean, you can do worse things than draft Derek Henry in the first round, perhaps things like drafting Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley. <laughs> but when we look at what happened in week one, right? He was stuffed 35% of the time. He created a 0% evasion rate, 1.8 yards after contact. That compares to last season where he was only stuffed 15% of the time, had a 15% evasion rate and 3.5 yards after contact. So it's not just, I mean, he had a bad game and the whole offense had a bad game and they weren't able to use him as much as a runner. Now his uh, receiving expected points were actually you know better than usual. And so if that sticks around with Darrington Evans out, we could actually be talking a couple of weeks from now about Derrick Henry being a great first round pick, but the Cardinals just manhandled Tennessee. I don't think that's going to happen every week, but it'll be interesting to see in weeks two and week three Titans that maybe now they're struggling to replace a little bit. I think for the Titans, it fits very much in with my thoughts probably on the Packers is that both teams were really not good. Uh, both of that we have to give a bit of credit to the defenses of the opposition another part of that is that both teams just didn't look ready and as bad as the titans were they probably looked better than the packers offensively um and in terms of what happened to henry you mentioned kind of that they were overrun um they were smothered as another word i would use for it like there was just nothing ready to get going um both at the running back position in terms of opportunities and 
with Ryan Tannehill and you know the sacks that he was getting in the game so it was really everything that could went wrong went wrong for them I expect them to be improved in the running game moving forward you mentioned that we probably would have Henry as a second round pick and I think that would be a fair spot for him but the thing that was interesting was the uh, receiving expected points but I think part of that as well is probably just down to the game plan of we are getting absolutely nothing by running into this brick wall and the quarterback is getting hit every time he tries to drop back so let's get some of those shorter dump offs to Henry to see if we can make anything happen that way so we'll see if the expected points uh, from the receiving game stay intact but I think we will see the the run game improve um a lot I, I wouldn't expect anything less I think the Titans are still gonna be a very very good team this season and I think they just got kind of blown away by what the Cardinals were able to do to them this week so I'm, I'm really interested to see what they do here in week two um I guess if, if it stays the same as it did in week one well the conversation next week will be much more concerning but um, I still have high hopes for that offense as they as they move forward here that is going to take us towards the end of today's show we are going to have another episode this coming saturday morning for you for anyone who's interested you can pretty much get sean siegel in podcast form every single day of the week i said of sunday i believe this season the way we have it set up we get them on monday mornings with stealing bananas you get them on tuesday uh usually tuesday evenings eastern time on ot then we get wednesday evening on stealing bananas we get thursday morning on ot then we get friday morning on stealing bananas and then saturday morning on ot so we get lots of sean siegel which is fantastic for everyone listening in and uh, the one thing i want to mention before we wrap up i did mention it on the show earlier this week going to set up a new well probably the same it could be the same music but new intro to the show we're looking for your three players that you think should be basically on the uh rotoviz overtime podcasts uh kind of i guess ring of honor here as we get into the 2021 season send those players my way on twitter at overtime ireland or email them across at overtime ireland at gmail.com we'll get that set up over the next couple of weeks i thought it'd be fun to get you all involved we will have some very interesting listener questions coming on the saturday show around zero rb and season and a couple of other interesting things that came our way so until we're back with that show at the weekend of course sign up for your rotaviz pass get your 10 percent discount use the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that very very much and until we're back with another show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel you can check out the zero rb watch list the two parts of it including sean's part up on rotaviz.com until we're back with another episode on saturday have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with this country the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.